After raising five children, keeping a home, and taking care of her husband for two decades, Leah began to realize there was a need in helping younger women who were in the thick of trying to do everything. Well, today we're going to talk to that lady. Leah Michelle Simpson is here with us. Leah is no stranger to Mid-South Viewpoint. She's been in the studio before. I told her when she writes that second book, she's welcome back. And now here we are. Leah, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. First of all, my heart goes out to you and your family. Just recently, your mother passed away. Yes. Aloha. Yes, aloha. Matter of fact, the last time you were here, Aloha Mm -hmm. was in the studio together. She was. I got a chance to meet her. Mm -hmm. So the last time we were together to do a program on your first book, your mom was here. Yes, she knew I was coming back because you reached out to me a couple weeks ago. She was still with us, and she said to tell you hello when I came in. Oh, my goodness. What a blessing. She remembered that. We talked about that day. (laughs) We had a great time together. Yes. It was exciting to release the new book you had at that time, which was Nurturing My Nest. Yes. And we're going to talk about that second book, but how are you doing? Well, I am glad that she is safely home in heaven and that she is not suffering. It was pancreatic cancer. And so we had eight months, and we tried to make the best of it. Um, and we, I have a lot of good memories, and I'm very grateful for my mother and what she did for me as a child and as a Christian woman and a mother. I'm very blessed because I, I'm just building on the shoulders of what my mama has done. In fact, that day when you were interviewing me, I felt that my mother should be the one that you were talking to because she's a, a very godly person. Anyone who had contact with her was very blessed to know her and really grew in their relationship. So many women were at the funeral and kept coming in to see her as she was going to heaven, just to tell her thank you and just to love her. She left quite a legacy. Your mom and dad, both. Your father was already in heaven. You had some wonderful posts being this past Sunday, Father's Day, remembering, reflecting on your dad. But together, your parents left such a a legacy and a ministry foundation in the hearts of so many people. Your mom, she was a war orphan, I believe. Yes. Her father had re-enlisted in the Navy. He was a radio operator and lost in the Solomon Islands. And she was born after he was missing in action and always wondered if he would be in heaven, wondered quite a bit. His picture sat by her bed in these last years, and I think she just hoped that when she went to heaven, he would be there. It's not quite sure. Her mother was definitely there, and she was eager to see her mother again. You talked about how she communicated Christ's love by being his hands and his feet. Yes. That's really what we're called to do as Christ followers. Yes. As Christians, you know, we are given the unique opportunity to act physically as Jesus would if he were on this earth in a physical state. There are so many opportunities to offer kindness and compassion and to build community. Community takes work. It can be a community within your home and your family, but also those that live in your physical neighborhood as well as those you have contact with. Those meetings that you have with people are not just random. We have to be on the alert using the wisdom of the Bible to encourage us and inspire us to have an impact on those we meet. Those divine appointments that God gives us. Yes. If you're looking for them, they're everywhere. They're there. One of the things I saw that your parents, uh, having been missionaries 50 years, generations of families that they touched. Yes. My parents were missionaries and specifically did the work of church planters. They were in ministry together over 55 years. 
the generations that have come from the people that they worked with, it's just been phenomenal to see that. We had women that came in from Hawaii, actually, the church that they were in in Hawaii that was the largest work that they did there, Heal Hawaii. Several women came and flew here back in the late latter part of 2019 and spent a week with my mom. I just started calling and said, if you're going to come see my mom, you need to come now. Don't come later. Come now (laughs) and spend some time, you know. That was sweet, and she is a well-loved person because she loved the Lord and loved people well because of her relationship with the Lord and her desire to show them a changed and transformed life. And she was very transparent, especially in her last couple of years with her journey. You know, she had an emotional crash due to exhaustion. She talks about all of her struggles and was very transparent. And I think her transparency and love drew people toward her. I was just thinking, Hawaii is one of my favorite places to go. When we were missionaries on Guam, we would stop in Hawaii, take a rest for a few days and just enjoy the beauty. You think about being in such a tropical paradise, a beautiful place like the island of Hawaii, the islands like that. You know, the people have hurts and they're broken and pain, even surrounded by such beauty. And so many homes are in a similar way where you want to have tranquility, you want to have peace. But there's so many different attacks hitting the family and vying for the attention of your children and your husband and for you. And there's so much trying to just change the dynamic of what God's plan for family life is. Right. And that is a good place to begin as we have an effort to consider how to strengthen our home and strengthen our families. I think the COVID period that we're all in and the March and April, May section involved such hibernation. I think that was a very telling time. For some families, I think it was a a great reset time to consider you know, what was working in their family, what was not working, spend some good time together for couples as well as families. I think it's caused us to reevaluate our priorities, right. having more time. And for some, it's been good. And mm-hmm. for some, it's saying, we're going to get back to some kind of right. normal life. But it creates opportunity for us as Christians. Yes. As I mentioned, in a world that is trying to change the dynamic, obviously the world's view of family is totally opposite of what we trust and follow in Scripture and what God tells us in the Bible, you know, from the very first family, Adam and Eve in creation. So looking at how we can be a lighthouse in our neighborhoods to those that we come in contact with. So we are fleshing out our faith. That's right. There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4, that speaks to the house building. And it says, for every house is built by someone, but God is a builder of everything. If we go to God personally, first thing every day, look at the scriptures for wisdom and for instruction, it will be there. That is how we gain wisdom. And that's how we gain a direction for what to do personally in our marriages, in our homes, with our children, extended family, and others that we come in contact with. Lee, your ministry primarily focuses obviously on the home and particularly the mom and the wife because mm-hmm. you've had that experience. Yes. I mean, five children, you've homeschooled, you've raised you and your husband, Tim, together and nurtured them. And I think, are all the children out of home now? Are they in college or where are they at? Currently, we have two children at home. Um, one was a college senior and the other one a college uh, or high school senior. And so they are working full time this summer and preparing to launch 
in the fall into college and grad school. So we will be officially by ourselves in the fall. I saw Michaela Grace, one of your daughters, mm-hmm. that she recently graduated from Union, yes. a degree in history and English. She's looking to do an internship with the Family Research Council, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yes, she is planning to go up there and work with them on projects and specifically work on anything that's family-related or pro-life. Those are her primary interests. And your other children, give us a little synopsis about them. My oldest is in film, and he is doing a lot of projects independently. He's 27. My next one, a daughter, Katie, and she is married to a pharmacist, and she does a lot of rebranding, and she did all the work on my webpage. If you've seen that. It lady. looks great. Thank yeah, you. your webpage looks really nice. Thank you. She's a photographer, wedding photographer, portrait photographer. And then Michaela, who you mentioned, and her her goal after working with Family Research Center is to go to seminary. So that's kind of her next little plan. Uh, my next son, Joshua, is in the Air Force. He is preparing to be an aircraft mechanic, almost two years into that work and training. And the next one is Joseph. He is a high school senior going into college in the fall, planning to work on his Master's of Business and then MDiv, Master's of Divinity, hopes to be a teaching pastor. That's his plan. So how are the Simpson home, how's it changing now that the kids, even though you have a high school senior, they're kind of doing their own thing. That's right. Preparing to all go out of the home. But what are some of the dynamic changes? Well, I think schedules are always in flux, you know, as every season changes what's coming and going, um, you know, what you're going to do with mealtime and how you're going to spend time together. Spending time together is a very significant priority. And I'm, for example, I've come back from uh, my mother's situation and I'm making a big meal around four o'clock in the afternoon because that's when they're getting off of work and they're starving. So we're not eating at six. And you know what I'm saying? It's you kind of work with when they're, they leave so early in the morning. I'm hungry at four o'clock. Can I come to the Simpsons house? I, I was like, that's not really meal time. But anyway, you know, I guess it's a, trying to pay attention to what their needs are and um, working with them on the things that they need to work on. You know, we're still working through particulars about college and grad school. <laughs> I came back into making lists in those categories. I usually list each child that I've got to help and all the things under each one of those. Well, I want to talk about this new book you have called yes. Hum of the Home, yes. the Routines and Rhythms of Homemaking. Again, this is your second book. All the information about Leah's books and ministry is available at nurturingmynest.com, nurturingmynest.com. The journey that you've been on learning about the importance of all things domestic. Yes. How'd you get there? Well, I'm the oldest child, and so I was always helping at my house. And my mother was a missionary, and the first place we actually went to was to St. Lucia in the Caribbean, which is a third world country. I've been to India. I've been to South America. And the places that we lived in St. Lucia were more remote and rural than any of those yeah. uh, missionary situations. But, you know, I was my mom's helper and um, confidant sometimes too. And then I worked my way through college as a waitress and housekeeping. I didn't, I, I cleaned houses on my own for my college money because I was on my own and needed to earn my college funds by myself. And so then after that, um, just really have just worked really hard to keep order in my home. So, you know, there's all these different levels of that. First of all, the way the book's laid out is 
the first part is just having a healthy you, you know, your physical, your spiritual, your relational health, all these different parts um, of you have to be healthy in order for you to be the person you should be in your home. And then there's a section on food and there's a section on cleaning and then in the last section on hospitality. Yeah, and you're jumping ahead. I mean, we're going to talk, okay, okay. talk about all these okay. areas, get as much in as we can today. But one of the things you talk about are routines. Yes. For some, that can be frustrating because you're either in a routine you want out of. How do you create the best routine for your family? But then you're adding rhythms to homemaking routines. The picture I get here is Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. Oh, dear. The dwarfs are going off to work, and it's whistle while they work, you know? Oh, yeah. So is that what we're talking about, bringing music into our home or the harmony of rhythm? Talk about that when it comes to homemaking. I can tell you one comment my daughter made last night. I, I was tired. I said, let's, let's go talk and let's go to bed and talk because I wanted to lay down. I was really tired. And she said, um, she said, I've noticed since you got back that there's lots of things that just don't happen. I said, like what? She said, well, the coffee doesn't make itself. <laughs> so I think there are lots of things that can be done to make your home run like a smoother machine. And of course, there's always resetting. We've talked about that because seasons change, needs change, the age of people and what they're doing change. Um, I read a quote by Emily Lay, physical clutter is emotional clutter. And I do think when things are orderly, you don't notice that they're orderly because they're just running smoothly. Yeah. And for me, if I can put order to something, I can do the more important work. I don't, I think, I think clutter, whether it's physical clutter or emotional clutter or just chaos getting out the door because you're not prepared or you're running late, it's distracting to what's important. That's why I think preparing everything ahead of time is the best way to be ready for your opportunities, your day, your responsibilities. There was an observation my oldest son, Josh, made just recently. Well, we were at Father's Day. We were talking about dads and things. And one of the things he mentioned was, of course, he worked here at the radio station for a period of time. Mm -hmm. He would go home and said, Mom, Dad is so organized at work. It's incredible how organized he is, you know? And they saw this, <laughs> this paradox, oh. you know, because when he got home, Dad wasn't as organized. Right. But when you take time, as you mentioned, because sometimes after you've been busy, you've done your job, you go home and you just don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. But when you do take time to try to bring some order into your life, even when I clean out a drawer, yes, boy, it can really change your perspective. Yes, <laughs> You can find things. That's right. <laughs> I think the beauty is that if you will create order, if you will focus on, for example, living in the space that you own instead of having all this clutter living there, if you will just work on living in the space that you own, you will live better. It's like bulk cooking. Some people think, oh, it's so hard. But really... Maybe it's a, maybe it's something that I'm attracted to because I want to enjoy more life. Well, you have seven people in your family, too. Right. If I'll bulk cook, for example, the chicken or something, you know, that's going to create less time for me later, less dishes to wash, less time in front of the, the stove. So in a way, it's saving money and saving time to be organized. It, some people think of it the opposite way. It's going to take me so much time to be organizer, so much time to, to, to prepare ahead, but 
it really, in truth, saves you time. You spend less time. Well, too, Leah, one of the things I, I noticed in your book that you focus on, too, this isn't a load of burden just for mom to take on. Yes. Th- this is distribution among family members, teamwork together to get general maintenance around the house, uh, cleaning done. That's right. There's a word that has resonated with me. Uh, I like to change words sometimes as a new emotion, and that's the word of contributions. I don't like to use the word chores. I like to use the word contributions. And I had a fellow tell... That kind of takes the bite out of it. Well, (laughs) chores sounds maybe like you're doing something for others. When contributions puts the responsibility back on everyone that's living in the space. You know, whether you're living in an apartment, you're living in a home, you're living in a dorm, wherever you're living, it's your responsibility to maintain your space. So however many people are living in that space should should contribute to the work. I mean, that's delegation, right? So I think it's something, some mothers struggle with that a little bit, just maybe they weren't raised that way, or because it's just serious hard work to get kids to cooperate. Give us some examples in a Simpson home. I mean, when all the kids were at home, how it worked out. Well, I'll start with the first thing. The first thing is there's daily things that have to be done in a home. Some of them are personal. For example, you need to turn around and make your bed. If you hit the floor, turn around, take just two minutes or less and make your bed. Um, you need to be able to go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, your hair, and then maybe work out based on age what you're going to do to read your Bible and spend some time with the Lord. Like There needs to be a morning routine because, you know, you just you, there's things that need to get done in the morning. And then there needs to be a weekly routine, and that can be sorted out whether you divide your house and food responsibilities into a big section of time or, you know, when I had babies, there's no way I could take three hours in one day and deep clean the house and get all the laundry done. I couldn't couldn't do it. I had to do, I had to break it into bite-sized pieces. So depending on where you are in life, you organize your time you know, you look at the work that has to be done and organize it according to what time you have available. Lee, I remember when our kids were younger, we were homeschooling. We went to a homeschool conference, and there was a different breakout sessions, and one was on time management. And there was a lady who did this class. My wife and I went in there, and she was just saying, you know, the alarm goes off at 530, and then everything was mapped out to every detail. There's no way we can live like that. And I think sometimes when you hear other people, and they seem to have everything together, it can be overwhelming. And I think it's important that we realize, too, and I, I know you'll agree that people have different makeups, different temperaments, and yes. all of that plays into that. So you need to create the design of this that fits into your personality. Yes. But at the same time, there's opportunity to be stretched a little bit so you can all grow as a family. Right. I actually don't necessarily keep to something that has the time of the day. I'm more of a person that would look at a list of things that need to be done. Um, a routine sounds to me something more flexible yeah. than a schedule. And I think it's a friendlier concept because if you can prioritize what is most important and do that first when you feel overwhelmed, that's perfect. And then anything that's left over, you can move to the next day. I mean, it applies in academics as well. Yes. If, if you will do the first and most important things first, Academically, when you're homeschooling, for example, the math, the reading, the spelling, the writing, and then let the other things fall off if the child is struggling in those areas, do the most important things first. And you can always come back and start with what was left over at the beginning of the next day. Right. So you're still doing things well. 
And I think that helps you to not be overwhelmed or to have unrealistic expectations. Because if you're going to be sensitive to opportunities um, that God places in your day that you didn't know were going to be there, or just a moment with your children that you're like, let's not rush with this. Let's stay here a minute. You know what I'm saying? I love that. That's being real. Mm -hmm. That's taking advantage of the opportunities. That's a good word. Do you have any videos on how you speed clean? I think that's a phenomenal idea. I saw that you've got speed cleaning. So what's that all about? Well, I can tell you that (laughs) I've been testing some of these theories quite a bit Um, since my mother um, found out she had cancer back in October. We have moved her out of a house into another house because she was building and it was a dream we did not want her not to realize. And so I've just come from cleaning out the second house. And we had already moved her once. We have moved my mom in three years. And then to be really honest with you, my house right now is really challenging. For example, I have a college daughter that has moved out of her dorm twice, first in a hurry and second time, the second time with what was left that she didn't get the first time. And then I have one that's packing up for college. Then I have an Air Force boy that comes and goes. And then I have things for my mom's house. So right now I'm being challenged in all of these ways. And I think life has that ebb and flow. I, I've got several things piled up on me right now. There is a concept that really works. So I think when you're facing a mammoth project that is just so overwhelming, you don't know where to start. And that is the concept of trash, donate, and organize. Yeah. So if you can just not look at everything when you look at a mess and just identify the things that are trash. It could be paper trash. It could be just things, you know, that have had lived their best life. Sometimes I say maybe it's a piece of furniture. Maybe it's a piece of technology. It just has no selling value. It has no use value. And sadly, you just have to throw it away. I grew up poor, so throwing away things and donating, it's a push on my emotions more yeah. than some people. I'm not very wasteful. So oh, it's like the greatest generation. My yes. wife's grandfather, bread wrappers in the Twisty ties. I mean, there was a collection of all these things, mayonnaise jars. They were all, everything was recycled, you know, in the right. home because that's where they were in the time when they grew up. Yeah. I tell you what I want to do in our last remaining moments when we talk about the hum of the home, there's a portion in there where you talk about connecting hospitality to the gospel. And I think yes. this is so key. I kind of want to close out on this part of it as we talk about how our home, we talked about being a lighthouse, but how we use it as a tool to be a presenter of the gospel. That's right. I think if you can continue, you know, if a person continues to work on who they are in their relationship with Christ, and then they work on their relationships with their spouse, if that's applicable, and their children, whether they're young, whether they're teenagers, or whether they're grown, and their extended family and their neighbors, if they look at all those relationships and they work on those things, I, I think the end, one of the really, I guess, pivotal things that a home can do is serve as a place for the gospel advance. And I think hospitality has been something that has been sort of lost in our culture. I'm hoping for a resurgence, especially since people have been inside and alone and hibernating. So maybe it'll be the best new thing <laughs> to have people over for dinner yeah, parties yeah, yeah. or just, and this is the thing I would encourage moms and men and women to look at is that hospitality is not about how beautiful your home looks or what a gourmet cook you are. Hospitality is about being invited. 
and inviting. One of the things that I do when I, I talk to women's groups is I'll often open the section on hospitality by saying, how many of you have ever been invited to a really, and I kind of describe something and man, you can almost hear in the room this, oh, just people are remembering wonderful situations. And it's not about being impressed. The best, best situations are about being involved in being welcomed, you right. know, being welcomed. And so it's about inviting others. You know, if cooking is not your thing, order pizza. If you wait to have a perfect home and have a gourmet meal on the table, yeah. you just may miss a whole group of wonderful I mean, experiences. The, the key is really the relationship. Yes. And connecting. And valuing people yes. by saying, I, my house is not perfect. I don't even have anything. I didn't even think about inviting you till just a moment ago. Hey, let me pick up something from, you know, wherever. And would you come over and visit? I sure would like to talk to you today. I'd love to visit with you. You know, is that saying, I value you. I hear you. I see you. I want to know well, you. You know, and Leah, in light of where we are as a nation right now, if we would start doing that, and we would start doing that with people who yes. don't look like us, yes. and even think like us, many of them are our neighbors are all around us, and engaging that opportunity. Wow, what a difference we could mm -hmm. possibly make for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a quote I have from Rosaria Butterfield. She's one of my favorite, who's recently written On Home. It is from her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, which means practicing radical, ordinary hospitality in our post-Christian world. Our post-Christian neighbors need to hear and see and taste and feel authentic Christianity, hospitality spreading from every Christian home that includes neighbors in prayer, food, fellowship, child care, dog walking, and all the daily matters upon which friendships are built. There's so much in that. I mean, it's bringing tears to my eyes just thinking about that. It's kindness and that community. That is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is great. Well, Leah, our time is gone. It goes too fast. It does. You're delightful to speak with. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. Well, God bless you. Listen, the book is called Hum of the Home, Routines and Rhythms of Homekeeping. There's also Nurturing My Nest, Intentional Homemaking, and Custom Built Education available all on Amazon in paperback or on Kindle. Both books are listed for $14.99. You're also available for women's retreats, girls' retreats, luncheons, cooking demonstrations. You have a suitcase and we'll travel, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to working with women and just encouraging them on all things that happen in our homes and with our families. And give us that website again. It's nurturingmynest.com. Leah, it is always a joy to have you. And when you write that third book, here's the invitation. You're going to have to come back. I know there's going to be more are. books. There are more books rolling around in my head for sure. But we might need to get back together and just maybe open up some more conversation around what we've talked about already. Maybe make it deeper. And maybe if your husband, Tim, wants to come and join <laughs> us too, he actually is sitting in the studio while we record the program yes. today. Great friend of mine, our News Channel 3 weather guy, Tim Simpson. Simpson family, God bless you, Leah. Well, thank you thank so much you. for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom through the ministry of Nurturing My Nest. May God continue to bless and use that work to bless homes and make them those gospel-centered retreats for their neighbors, for the betterment of their homes. Yes, and thank you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. It's always a pleasure to have you stop by. Thanks for listening. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.